See It or Screw It is a spoiler-heavy show. If that's an issue for you, then you can currently watch Empire Records on YouTube for free. If that's not an issue for you, then on with the show. Welcome to Cedar Scrut. My name's TJ Davis. He, him pronouns alongside. I'm Emily Schick, and my pronouns are she and her. And I'm Dan Murphy, and my pronouns are he and him. And on today's episode, we are doing a teen bob. Should have had Emily queue up, uh, my name's not fucking Warren, or it's Rex Manning Day, because we're doing I mean, this, well, yeah. I wouldn't do this for Rex Manning Day, because... Yeah, I, fe- I, I feel like I, the Rex Manning Day reference would be the appropriate thing to do, considering the proximity to Rex Manning Day this will release on, or is this actually releasing on Ma- Rex Manning Day? Uh, no, it releases on what Rex Manning Day would be, and that's a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well... Yeah, I guess well, this because, is a like they're supposed to at least at least Corey is supposed to be in high school. Yeah, well, I mean Corey and uh, well, honestly, I'm trying to think like I Corey and um, what's what's Renee Zellweger's character? Both of them are clearly in high school. Um, yeah, but I think everyone else it's left somewhat ambiguous with the implication they're in high school. Um, but there's or at no least specific... around around like 18 to 20 if not 20 yeah well because, i mean like, age yeah they got the uh beer at the end yeah i mean in aj is in well i mean this is what this is based off the experiences of someone who was working in a record store in the 60s when the drinking age was probably 18 so like oh i thought it was collecting yeah. stories from somebody who uh worked at a record store that became a tower records in like phoenix yeah, it was something like that. Well, I think it was already a Cower Records, which is the weird thing. Oh. I mean, it's also just sort of like, like it's it's weird to me that like Empire Records would be a, a an indie store and not a chain. Um, like I get that Music Town sounds more chainy than Empire Records, but Empire Records still sounds fairly chainy. Like I feel like I, unless it's in New York. Yeah, unless it's in New York, but at that point, I think you'd call it Empire State Records, not Empire Records. Um, Maybe. Also, I think this is implied to be vaguely Midwestern, but like... Uh, no, you know, it, 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 it's supposed to, like, it's really weird because apparently it was filmed in North Carolina, supposed yeah. to take place in Delaware, but there's a specific line about, you know, playing to the Midwest audience, and it's like, but you're, you're near a significant body of water, you're clearly not in the midwest unless you're like yeah well i mean it's cl- well i mean it's clearly within driving distance of atlantic city so yeah you know, yeah that's like that that kind of puts it in the tri-state area um i guess delaware is close enough but i would think that it actually be in like new jersey um makes the most sense but yeah i, I mean it's it's, it's interesting that people are so like dead set on like uh rex bag days april 8th where i didn't really see I guess there's probably some details in the background that indicate that it is specifically April 8th, but like, yeah, like, I didn't, I didn't notice what the detail is, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's April 8th and that's yeah. what it's taken as. And the, uh, apparently and it's April 8th. Apparently it's April 8th because that's the day that, uh, Kurt Cobain unalived. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's why it's April 8th. 
Yeah, but again, I don't know. Like, I feel like it must be on a flyer somewhere in the film that someone eagle-eyed person is spotted, but like, I didn't notice it. Um, or like the uh, deposit slip from the night before would have a date right. on it. Right. Yeah. But like, um, I didn't immediately notice that either. Yeah. No, I mean, like, so I mean, unless he's take like, I think AJ and um, AJ and Corey are definitely in high school everyone else it's kind of ambiguous i mean gina likely is in high school because it seems like she's the same age as Corey. um yeah but like i mean theoretically, I would some of these say, people could be play- taking ga- gap years but i don't i would think say that mark is or, probably you know, in high school yeah well mark is well i mean it's also that ethan Embry is at this point i think he was 15 when they filmed this and he's clearly Damn. the youngest of them so yeah well the weirder thing is like Liv tyler's 17 and it's just like yeah when you realize that that's kind of yikes but um yeah you know i mean it gina could be like you know 18 has just graduated from high school like the previous graduating year and also yeah and just like uh hasn't gone to college maybe she can't afford it like maybe that's part of the reason no i mean that's what so I'm jealous of Liv tyler <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like this characters could be in the midst of a gap year. It's just like these characters don't seem like the type that take gap years. Um, Yeah, well, I mean, there's also the line later in the movie where she's afraid of, you know, being her mother of peaking at the end of high school. Right. With everything being downhill from there. So I would say that both of them are seniors together. Yeah. Yeah, this this looks like this takes place in probably like i don't know right or probably in like march of a senior year of high school or something like that like like acceptance well, letters are out april 8th <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 no april 8th yeah you're right yeah. <laughs> acceptance acceptance letters are out and and like everyone kind of knows what they're doing i think the the kind of flippant attitude how of how like aj could just randomly decide that he's going to art school without any indication days apply day where yeah, is kind of a I, thing like, but i wanted i really wanted to get to that once we got to that because yeah. that's like hilariously dumb just being like no it's okay it's only been a day and i'm already going to art school in boston yeah <laughs> yeah i mean like I, I don't know i mean we should probably just get to the summer of the movie before yeah. we discuss some of the plot holes i mean my get my understanding some is of yeah some of i mean my I'm understanding saying, is, is, is that it was initially written to take place over two days and then in editing they shoehorned it into taking place over the course of one day um which well it is, was the two-day edit was like two hours and ten minutes i'm so, so like <laughs> they barely had enough film for like an hour and a half so yeah. i'm i'm really curious what those 40 minutes were i've looked into it somewhat but i'm surprised at how difficult i i had a time finding it out because it's just like like okay so toby mcguire was in this movie and they completely cut out his role and i'm like okay um huh. and then there's like it sounds i think his name like, is still in the credits though Probably. I mean, that happens sometimes. Um, and, you know, like Warren had a sister that was initially in the film. Um, apparently. Uh, Liv Tyler had a sister at one point. Yeah. Because I started so. watching like the uh, extended edition that came out in like 2003 before we were doing this. But I yeah. started it too late because it's got a whole 16 minutes more of movie. Oh, yeah. Wow. But I mean, it's still the, like... like a lot of the stuff that I saw was just like, wow. This is so fucking needless. Wow. Well, I mean, yeah. everything I've heard needless. is that the director's cut exists and is people generally don't like it largely because 
as for a bizarre for bizarre reasons they cut out most of the iconic lines in the director's cut so it's like if it was just more i think people would be okay with it but to like change like various readings to like cut out like lines that people really like seems like a mistake yeah Yeah. i was gonna say uh so i would describe this movie like swiss cheese and i'm guessing that like the stuff that was cut was just some of the larger holes I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I would hope that some of the subplots were a little bit fleshed out. Than some I of the ones would we'll, hope so. We'll, we'll get to of just sort of like, like, you introduce this, you reference it once again, and then, and then it drops. It and drops. like, you yeah. never fucking resolve it at all. It's yeah, like, yeah. There's uh, a lot of that in this movie. But yeah. um, we should probably just get to this description. Um, yeah. Not it. <laughs> <laughs> uh emily's in pain so i I guess that i'll do it again unless you really want to em nope okay (laughs) i'm in pain (laughs) all right at independent record store empire records in delaware employee lucas has been tasked by store manager joe with closing the store for the first time while counting the day's receipts in joe's office he discovers the store is about to be sold and converted into a branch of music town a large national chain Determined to keep the store independent, Lucas hatches a plan. And also, what was it all? Like, there was a big thing in the mid-90s of, like, keep music independent. Uh, This is just another one of those. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's really interesting to see where we are now, in which, like, basically, music is really, really... Yeah, music is super corporate, um, and there's really no avenue for even corporate artists to make money. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like it's, right. it's not a good place. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, Lucas hatches a plan, taking the day's cash receipts of approximately nine thousand nine thousand one hundred and four dollars. You can't just say nine thousand one hundred and four. It's uh, over nine thousand. Yeah. <laughs> to a casino in Atlantic City to quadruple it by playing craps. <laughs> which is the worst game like honestly it, like i don't understand why he doesn't put it on a single number on of on roulette at similar and have a similar like experience to that south park episode where they where they go to the casino and then all put it on one number hit it and then say let it ride and then <laughs> lose it all yeah, like, yeah. it's the same gag but he's like he's doing a like like if he especially when they show him like call the right number on a roulette wheel as he walks past it like like it seems like like going for way riskier bet makes way more sense than like a craps bet that's like it's fifty fifty, but like a terrible, terrible way to do it. Um I mean, honestly, it's like you know, the way that you do well at a casino is like if you hit on that first time, just stop. Just mostly. Stop. Mostly, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, Craps is a game that's kind of designed to be playing for a long time. It's not a game that you generally play to just do a one-off. Um, yeah. Like, if you're going to do a one-off walk-away situation, you go to Blackjack or Roulette. You Craps is a game that you're like, I intend to be here for a while. Yeah. Um, so. I want to have fun. But yeah. still, if you hit, you walk away. I mean, in these type of situations, I mean... Generally, yeah. you want to just budget your limit, budget right. your bankroll oh, so no, that I it know. lasts like as long as you intend to gamble. Exactly. Well, also, like he doubled his money. He should have 
not let it ride. He should have pulled out the initial money so that he didn't lose that and then played with house money for the rest of the night, hoping to make what he wanted. Yeah, with with lower limits. Again, you know, I mean, really, it's just like there are other movies where people have these crazy schemes. Usually card counting, always successful in movies. Anything else is a terrible, terrible idea. So, um, yeah. Like uh, counting unrealistically successful in Raid Man and uh, The Hangover. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and uh, uh, also that uh, that that Kevin Spacey one, twenty one. Well, 20, but that's about like a legitimate team that like actually did that. Like that's based on real events, and they whitewashed, and everyone was upset. But you know, so it's Hollywood. Are you that surprised? All right. Yeah. I mean, it's just interesting that like, basically like a big part of their strategy was using racial profiling against the casino by just building racially diverse teams that people would think were not collaborating because they were racially diverse. So that was a big, sounds like a much better movie to me. Yeah. It's really interesting and really cool. (laughs) It would have been interesting to see on screen, but instead every character is white. So, (laughs) but because you gotta make it sexy, and white yeah. people are the only ones who are sexy. Ugh. Yeah. I didn't even like finishing that sentence. You. Yeah. All right. So we already established that he doubled his money, but then he loses his all on the second roll. Um. Because he's an idiot. But without doing that, then I guess we wouldn't really have. We wouldn't have a plot. Yeah. Yeah. It's also weird that like like the whole casino sequence is like definitely like kind of plays with the laws of realism way more than the rest of the movie does. Cause it's just like, he's super lucky as he walks into the casino, he's super lucky on his first role and then he loses it all. And then we never see like a flash of like, like that kind of like, I mean, I guess we have like, um, uh, Mark's kind of hallucination later on when he's super high, but like, otherwise the film's played pretty straight. So, Yeah. Oh, I mean, they give they they give Lucas a lot of like, well, as they establish, Mister Miyagi moments in it. Yeah, well, where, Lucas like, is just a pretentious and... douchebag that they pretend is way cooler than he actually would be in real life. He'd be insufferable yeah. in real life. <laughs> so. Yeah, um, yeah. But like, we have a couple of scenes of him like speaking to camera. Yeah, yeah. Like it works. Well, he, it's he's... more speaking to himself. He doesn't actually turn to the camera. He just talks to himself all the fucking time. <laughs> I mean, Fair. I do that too. So. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean i often yeah i mean turn to camp <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah i just what do need you to think of it, when, like hang out with people to like randomly turn to a blank area and narrate things as if i'm talking to the <laughs> yeah. camera <laughs> yeah do you hear this shit other barry i do oh. other barry <laughs> oh man no that 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 should be a scene in something that sounds funny i like that <laughs> And then just having everybody else that like if for his first time meeting some other people and that per- person just being like, what the fuck is he doing? Uh, don't don't mind him. He does that <laughs> once in a while. Just as like, you know, that character continues with his narration. Well, I mean, I, I'd like to see it in a movie in which like someone acts as if they're turning to the camera and narrating things. But it's always shot as if they're just turning to a random spot in the room and never mm-hmm. actually turning mm-hmm. to camera. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, I would still want a shot of like looking into camera, 
before cutting back to uh, the normal shot of the room. Yeah, I mean, they've done that before of like, like I feel like like people breaking the fourth wall and someone challenging, what the fuck are you doing? So, but like, yeah. to have someone just like pretend they're breaking the fourth wall and the camera not acknowledging that they're breaking the fourth wall, I think could be hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, because anyway. yeah, fucking um, Fleabag did the first thing. Oh, okay, yeah. All right, anyway, the following morning, fellow Empire employees AJ and Mark find Lucas, who confides in them about the previous night's events, just before riding off on his motorcycle. Joe arrives and quickly receives frantic phone calls about the missing deposit from the bank and the store's owner, Mitchell Beck. Such a douche. I have no idea who played Mitchell Beck, but, like, he plays the douche well. Yeah, he does. He makes this character who really, on paper, shouldn't be as unlikable as he is um, to be kind of douchey. I mean, it's also weird because I feel like the character should be older. And also, I mean, that was one of the things I was saying is that, like, if this is an independent record store, I feel like calling it Beck's Records instead of Empire Records makes way more sense. But whatever. Well, especially coming from hippie parents, because it was his hippie father who yeah. Made it well, into I mean, and that's store. that's the thing is is like yeah, if it's his hippie father, then honestly, it should be called like Groovy Records or like you know something like that. You know, like yeah, something like if it's a hippie, they're not going to be using the word empire. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> like you know, uh, colonialism is is very very hippie. Well, oh, I, don't I don't love know. it. Yeah, I don't know. Though there, there's definitely a group of former hippies that are now just super conservative boomers. So yeah, yeah. Womp womp. <laughs> Free love for me, but not for thee. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't yep. know. I still like the uh, what is it? The 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 meme of like, remember, kids? It's uh, hippies are bad people pretending to be good, whereas punks are good people pretending to be bad, and it's fairly true. <laughs> It oh, really is. I think that I've seen that more recently as wooks are bad people pretending to be good and punks are good people mm-hmm. pretending to be bad. But, yeah. you know, wooks and hippies are pretty interchangeable these days. Pretty much. Yeah. All right. Keeping on. Uh, other employees arrive, including overachieving high school student Corey and her uninhibited best friend Gina. Hostile employee Deb, who has survived an apparent suicide attempt, also arrives. Deb then goes into the bathroom and shaves her head. Uh, Upon Lucas's arrival, Joe confronts him about the missing deposit, and Lucas confirms that the money was lost. Joe explains his anti-music town plan to the employees. He had saved enough to become part owner of the store to save it, but will now be $9,000 short as he must cover the missing money from Mitchell. I don't Which, think they establish that that they well. Do, they do establish they do. that. It's just it's just really weird that like 9000 9, would be that much of a deal breaker because it's just like, yeah, 9000 is not enough, is money that'd be difficult to come up with in a day, but it's, but like if you've been working months and months towards it, like you should be able to be like and i'll get you the extra nine thousand like like in a week or two you know like like it's it's weird because we've been watching a bunch of movies in which like the dollar amounts don't make a ton of sense in terms of like how difficult they're claiming that they are to obtain but like i mean nine thousand at this time was probably a bit more challenging no i mean it was a bit more challenging but i mean i feel like 1995 or 1990 yeah 1995 
No, it was probably filmed in 94, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, like, it would have been easier to get a bank loan for that amount. Right, like, right. Because super difficult. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's that's the thing, is, like, if you're saying, like, I basically... That, that he, implies it, that he has collateral to put up, which... No, but, I mean, in, not. like, yeah, whatever he has, he has enough for, like, a down payment situation, and, like, basically it's just, like, well, I'll have to pay you this extra 9000 like, I'll have to get interest on that, but it's just, like... I, you know, I, I, I feel like the 9,000 to me, it's like, maybe it's just like, it's right on the edge when you really factor in, in inflation in terms of this would be a deal breaking amount to not be able to afford something, um, to not be able to afford a stake, you know, um, but whatever. I mean, especially with an owner who actively hates the place. Yeah, I'm sure that he would have done anything to just, oh, you want to buy in, share profits, and I don't have to fucking do anything. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the other thing. Yeah, the Beck characters, like, it's kind of weak that, like, like, you know, he's willing to sell um, to Joe versus getting the, because, like, it seems like. If he if he go if he sells to Joe, that's he's just getting that money. Whereas if he sells to Music Town, he's getting the franchise profits of it being a Music Town. So it seems like a better long term plan, um, like to be a Music Town no matter what. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, but I, hey, like, that doesn't jive with the feel good nature of the ending of this movie. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, really, it's just like if anything, Joe should have just been like, hey. Here's a bunch of money. I also found this like toilets. There's this store that sells toilets that you can buy like with it, you know, because yeah. it seems like he'd be much more like it seems like Beck would be way more interested in, in buying a, a, you know, an appliance store than owning a record store. So like if that's available, like why wouldn't he do that? Good questions. And many more to come as we keep on digging through this synopsis. Ah, um, da, da, da. Joe is distracted from the crisis due to a major store event, Rex Manning Day. The washed-up 1980s pop idol is holding an autograph session at the store for fans of his latest album, Back With More. The unenthused staff mock both Manning and the event, and ultimately many of the fans showing up to meet him are either older women or gay men. Although they show it's one not even, gay man. Yeah, it, it's not even gay men. It's gay man. Well, they show. Yeah. Well, they also there's also a line that indicates that that there are that he has some um, gay fans, but um, we only actually see one of them in line. As far yeah. As yeah. I remember. Uh, definitely, like the old woman operatically singing "Say No More, Monet More." Hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, Though, though detained by Joe in his office, no, he's not detained in Joe's office. He's he's like in the detained back room the couch or in the back room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lucas nonetheless apprehends a belligerent young shoplifter who indi- who identifies himself only as Warren Beatty, and probably uh, the best gag in the entire movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just love how it's a running gag that they all continue to refer to him as Warren, despite it very obviously not being his real name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he is taken away by police, but vows to return seeking revenge. 
Encouraged by Gina, Corey indulges her schoolhood schoolgirl crush on Manning by attempting to seduce him, but winds up humiliated and dejected. AJ then chooses this oppor- inopportune time to confess to confess his love to Corey, which she rejects. After Gina and Corey argue, Gina has sex with Manning. When the staff discovers this, AJ attacks Manning. Gina reveals Corey's addiction to amphetamines. Corey hysterically trashes the store, and Joe tells Manning to leave. Yep, that, that, that scenes that happened. Yep. <laughs> oh, they, they didn't <laughs> yeah. even mention uh, Rex Manning's assistant, who like quits midday, and he doesn't even fucking realize until. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's also just it's very bizarre. Like, what is her? role like exactly i mean because i feel like she quits to joe she doesn't quit to rex manning she's yeah. like his yeah she she seems to be his assistant or something also by the way tj uh i don't know if you recognized her but that's the that's blue's sister from happy no i mean it's that you okay it, but, I, yeah. like yeah they definitely know who she is but yeah that's probably what i was thinking of when i was like where the where fuck do i know her from yeah, oh, you don't. You weren't immediately thinking of Entourage. I never uh, watched I mean, Entourage. I sure do I don't love hate Entourage. Yeah, no, I just <laughs> everyone was so obsessed with that show. It was like kind of unavoidable when you're living in um, L.A. when that was airing. Oh, well, uh, thank well, fuck, I wasn't. Yeah. Same. <laughs> um, Deb unsurprisingly attempts to cheer Corey up, and in return, she holds a mock funeral for Deb with the whole staff. The shoplifter Warren returns with a gun, ultimately loaded with blanks. That's not well. How he's a minor. Work. He's a minor, and it's full of blanks. So there's nothing we can really do. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah what this the is, fuck? Yeah, this is this is very much like the same bullshit of like, oh right, people were way less concerned about guns before Columbine. <laughs> like, yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, and Lucas diffuses the situation by revealing that he himself was a troubled youth until he was taken in and saved by Joe. Which, like, I feel like this should have been a larger part of the story, or at least established before this moment, yeah. that Joe is Lucas's adoptive father, foster father, whatever. Yeah, I mean, yes. I don't know. That's the weird... Like, there's a... I think that, like... I. Uh, you know, honestly, I think it hinges largely on um, Anthony LaPaglia's performance. Like, I think that Joe has that sort of, like, father figure role to all these, like, misfits, and he plays it pretty well. Um, I do wish that there was more in the script to establish it, but I think that the performance does carry it through. That's, like, he legitimately actually cares about his employees, unlike... But know, no, no, it, it's... 99.9% of bosses? That, yeah. you know... Uh, either Joe became his foster father or his adoptive no, father it's at, always... age, at age 13. Actually, yeah, that does make sense. I mean, that's kind of how I read it too, TJ. I mean, I didn't read it that way. I read it as that's probably when he hired um, Lucas. Um, no, that's too young in even like even in then. Like even in Delaware at that time. Yeah. No 13 would have been too young, too young, I think. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just kind of read it very much as that, like... Like, he definitely takes a fatherly role to the entire staff. Yeah, but I think he takes a legitimately fatherly role to Lucas. I I agree with TJ. That is how I read that. Yeah. I don't know. I just Um, think that... 
Like Joe's the one likable character in this whole thing, and he's just a he's such a pushover. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, fucking um, what's his name? Uh, Ethan Embry's character. Oh yeah. What? What about and him? He, he's Mark, super annoying. He's a creep. Like, yeah. He, he is so cringy throughout this. Like, I really enjoy Ethan Embry's performance. I think that he, he does a good job, but, like, the character is just such a cringy creep when he's trying to, like, kiss the uh, it's girl just the, It's just that scene with music. The, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it's that one and making out with the with the poster, but... yeah. Like, like that, yeah yeah it's, at least that it's scene really comes cringy. out comes after um they were already making out with the rex manning album so um yeah but yeah i mean also can i just point out that additionally to add to his cringe is his fucking haircut oh my god does anybody uh, uh, does any was anybody else getting like shudders of like bad 90s fashion flashbacks like because jesus fucking christ i mean really i just kind of noticed the the 90 very 90s hair that mo- almost yeah. everyone has so but like that was like it, that was really 90s and also uh very much died after after that point which it deserves to stay dead forever <laughs> it is a terrible it's like one of the worst men's haircuts that has ever existed I don't know. The bowl cut is always going to be way up there. So. The bowl cut's pretty damn up there, but this is up. This is up there too. Yeah. I think I. I, I think I'd take a, a fucking rat tail over this shit. Oh, yeah. Rat yeah, I know. Awful. Anyway, no, I guess we should. I, I still this. like rocking my skullet. Um, but yes, it, Lucas in turn offers Warren a job at the store. Because is that what you really want, Warren? Do Do you want a job? <laughs> um. Yeah, that, because leave. as working retail is the coolest thing anyone could ever aspire to. Yeah, I know. Hey, man, Don't you? There was a I time mean... where I really wanted to work at fucking Newberry Comics. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think there was a time where most of us did. Like, it felt like the closest thing to working at a place like Empire Records, where yeah. it was like this place will probably be chill as hell. Like, I'm sure yeah. it sucked for different reasons. Oh, I'm sure it did. Yeah, I mean, they, like, well, kind of like Hot Topic, <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, no matter what, there's going to be corporate culture at any of those stores. But, yeah, um, like, basically, there's either going to be corporate culture or you're going to be, like, working for your family and, like, really concerned about the bottom line to the extent that you can't enjoy it. So, because, <laughs> yeah, yay, razor I mean, thin profit I, I, margins. I, I wish or, that I or could have had, for, like, this like, much fun at any job. Or yeah, working no. for like a single or store or like a you know chain of two or whatever, but like yeah. it's run by a family and totally ineptly. Yeah, no, I mean that's the thing. That's it's the other by... option. Yeah, no, well, I mean that's the thing. It's like you're gonna be working for either a chain or you're gonna be working by something that's independently owned that is aware that their profits are really really thin, and that's probably going to bleed into how you behave at the store because you're yeah. going mm-hmm. to become as concerned as they are about the bottom line. So, yay capitalism! Yeah. Ooh. After the police leave, uh, Lucas admits defeat and suggests confessing the truth about the missing money to Mitchell. However, the staff try to replace the missing money, but can only raise $3,000. Suddenly inspired, Mark runs in front of the TV news covering the holdup, announcing on live TV a late-night benefit party at the store to save the Empire. 
damn the man, save the empire. Yeah, because this would totally work, and people would actually show up to this with this little <laughs> Cause, notice. Because there's like enough bikers and teenagers watching the evening news on a Saturday night, right? Yep, to be able to see this. It's like what the fuck? Yep, who didn't already have plans? Yep, yeah, because that's totally realistic. <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, back when like mall rat culture was still a thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, an impromptu concert on the roof by Gina and Burko. Uh, fun fact: uh, the dude who played Burko, uh, Coyote Shivers, at the time of making this movie, was married to Liv Tyler's mother. Yep. Oh, hilarious. Wow. <laughs> yeah, hilarious. <laughs> Um, hey, hey! I mean, if you're gonna be a cougar, I mean, she's got it as well. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's um, more just creepy on on like a, you know, Liv Tyler's mother's than anyone else. So. I think she yeah. was only like eight years older than um, than the dude, so it's really not that bad because he's like sixty four, and I think she was fifty six, fifty seven. Okay. okay, I mean, maybe. I mean, it's just like they're like. Liv Tyler and Burko look relatively close in age. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, it's shocking to me that Liv Tyler is 17 in this because she looks much older than 17. But it also yeah. just makes her seducing Rex Manning really, really creepy. Oh, yeah, yeah, exceptionally creepy. Yeah. It is so deeply uncomfortable to watch. Yep. I mean, I'm glad that she had the state of mind to be like, wow, this is pretty wrong and fucked up. I'm going to get the fuck out of here. But yeah. Especially because I, I think she was expecting to be kind of like romanced and swept off her feet, and what she got was him pulling his dick out under a table. Yeah, yeah but I mean, like honestly, like I don't know, I, like people paint Rex Manning as like this major creep, and it's just like, nah, he's just, that's just how a dude's gonna act if that's if a woman's throwing, especially with his background. So, like, yeah, but he's also the adult in that situation. Oh, and oh he is the adult knows... in that situation. Yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. So no, he gets no passes from me, none whatsoever. I, don't know. Nor I mean, she she like completely she like strips down to her underwear before he acts like a creep. So you know, it's like I still don't care. You yeah. still should just be like, you know what? I need you to put your clothes back on. Yeah. <laughs> Are you even eighteen yet? He does ask her that, so. No, he says, "Are how old are you?" And she says, "Old enough." And it's like that's not that's, a real answer. Not, yeah, that's not a real answer. That is true. So yeah, it's like, right. oh, that's not that's not the answer I wanted at all. Please put your clothes back on. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, let's finish this out. Um, an impromptu concert on the roof by Gina and Burko, another employee, um, raises funds so Joe can hand the money raised to Mitchell for the lost amount. Mitchell offers to sell the store cheap to joe not wanting to deal with the store anymore like don't don't sell the store cheap let him become a partner cheap and then just reap profit like you're a fucking landlord as it is yeah yeah um cory finally finds a dejected aj on the roof fixing the empire record sign and confesses that she loves him too he decides to attend art school in boston to be near her while she attends harvard they kiss and the staff ends the long day with a dance party on the roof <sighs> Ooh. The end. Well, actually, yeah. no, not quite the end because there's also a like mid-credit scene between Ethan Embry and the uh, the, oh. the pizza guy. Oh, yep. as soon as it Eddie. cut to credits, I I stopped watching, so I missed that. I guess. 
Oh, yeah. It's them sitting out on the uh, sidewalk in front of the store and uh, uh, Mark saying that Henry Rollins is a pussy and the misfits suck. It all, it's all about Primus. And it's just sort of fucking hilarious to hear them, to hear him say that. Because it's like, well, Henry Rollins really isn't a pussy. The misfits don't suck. And it's not all about Primus. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, that's the end of the movie. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But uh yeah. I don't know. Like there there are there are plot holes that you can fucking drive through in this movie. But Well, uh, it's more just sort of there are plots that are just like introduced and go nowhere. Like I mean like yeah. Deb's suicide attempt really isn't dealt with in any sort of serious way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the, the oh, especially like when it's first introduced and AJ is all like, "What do you think you're doing? What's that all about?" It's like, no, that's that's not how you react to somebody who just attempted suicide. No, it's and, not. And then like they oddly make light of it with uh, you know, I used a lady bick and it took me 20 minutes to break the skin. Yeah. Like, that's not yeah. a real suicide attempt. That's more just a cry for help. No, it's a but... cry for redemption. I mean, you know, honestly, she only cut one wrist and she didn't even slash it. I mean, also, you know, it's, you know, it's down the street, not across the block type stuff. But, you know, movies. yeah, but um... oh, yeah, no, I like I always say down the river, not across the stream. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I. You I know, think I we, mean, I, it is Emily. It, didn't we get that from the craft, which also has Robin Tooney? Uh, that yeah. might be true. Yeah, actually. Yeah, I think yeah. that might be true. A future teen bop. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll probably watch the craft at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is just sort of like that is a she is a cutter more so than made a legitimate suicide attempt, which you know, at the time people really didn't understand that um the difference that, between the two the difference between the two yeah. so um so that was a thing um i i think the big one is just the the amphetamine um addiction that uh you know uh uh, uh cory has for two seeds that feels very uh i'm so excited i'm so excited i'm so scared it, it, it's very <laughs> it's say, very if, it's very uh, saved by the bell <laughs> i was gonna say it's very 90s uh teen show fucking very special episode yeah but oh, I mean, it's it, not even there terrible. was that very special episode of saved by the bell which is what i know but every about. fucking yeah. show did that dude like yeah. all of them were oh like, yeah didn't full house have one of those too yeah, uh, dude. Like house, uh, this was the I era think there was a Bear. full house that had DJ struggling with an amphetamine addiction. I think okay. it did. It yeah. like it, it's like I did I did I did speed for two days and now I'm an addict and oh my god. <laughs> like seriously, uh every again, every fucking 90s show had that this is the era of dare and it was all ridiculous and bullshit and honestly just taught us like actually that sounds kind of cool. Well, I mean, it's, it's, hey kids, this is what drugs look like. And this is how good they'll make you feel. Um, they're yeah. also, they also, they'll also be bad <laughs> later on, but like for, but uh, especially considering that you're about to be teenagers and we'll have all kinds of weird hormonal stuff that you won't know how to deal with. Here's ways of coping that like aren't healthy, but exist. <laughs> and I mean, in, in, in fairness to drugs, uh, humans have been using them for like, since humans were humans. Um, yes. so yeah, Thousands it's not like this is a ago. new, 
this is not a new phenomenon. This is not like an, a, a totally unnatural thing. Uh, we just got better at, uh, you know, refining them at this no, point. No, we got better at refining them. I mean, you know, it's not just humans that at, gravitate towards, um, you know, addictive substances too. I mean, obviously you have cats and catnip. Some cats are really into it. And like koalas are constantly high because like eucalyptus actually isn't that good for them. But it's their entire diet. So yeah, but... um, there's others. There, yeah, there's other things that also get high. Um, yeah, I can't, I'm trying to think of what else does. Like there's definitely other things that get drunk. And I yeah. don't, I'm trying to remember what, but I don't know. Some kind of land animal. Mm-hmm. I don't know something oh i mean there are plenty of land animals that you know eat fermented fruits for yeah, the feelings exactly. that it give them yeah uh, i know that like bears like lots of mammals do yeah. that uh, yeah well i mean apparently bears are super into cocaine um if recent film releases are to be believed so look man everything really that has to access that to movie, cocaine is I've into cocaine nothing... yeah <laughs> I've, I've heard it has a great title <laughs> yeah uh, i've yeah, heard it's not as intense and as intense as you want it to be which is super yeah. disappointing yeah. yeah yeah no it was very much described as a pl- snakes on a plane situation which is definitely unfortunate um mm. because like you know it's one of those movies you really want to like but you kind of just like yeah it exists well, I mean, that's sort of my feeling on Snakes on a Plane as well. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Snakes yeah. on a Plane is totally that. Yeah. Yep. Like, it it plays it too straight for you to actually enjoy it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you have awesome things like Kung Fury or Velocipaster. <laughs> I still need to see Velocipaster at some point. As oh, it's it's terrible, but I... I it, it's... Uh, it's got to be it, better than rubber. <laughs> Yeah, see, there's a, there, are things that are, there, there are things that are just bad, and then there are things that are awesomely bad. Yep, yep, like Babylon. Rubber is the former. <laughs> it's just I want bad. a cult following for Babylon so badly. <laughs> oh my god. Like, we're probably, it's probably going to be your next uh, personal pick, I would guess. Well, I mean, I, I just keep on hoping that, I mean, I guess we should wait for the American remake, but I'm still just is hoping that uh, your name shows up on something. But um, because I, I really, I like, I really want your name to show up on something because, like, you've talked it up so much that I really need to watch it at some point. Yeah. But it's, like, never been it's... on anything that I have access to. Yeah. Like, I think the closest I've seen, it was on, like, Funimation for a little while. Yeah. yeah. But no, it's shown up on, it's, it's weird how difficult it is to get considering that it's really well received in Asia and then completely ignored by the US. So so odd. Yeah. Um all right. Uh oh, the director, I can't remember what his fucking name is, but he has directed two other movies I've actually seen before. Um, oh yeah. Oh god, did he direct Times Square? I have no idea. Yep, I'm looking up his filmography and he did Times Square. I need to see Times Square at some point. I have not even heard of that. Um, it's like a teen movie about like I think one like basically it's just like it's really well known because it has extreme it, like it's about like two 14-year-old girls and it has some pretty extreme strong lesbian undertones that weren't intended at all um so like yeah so it has a weird cult following but it's actually kind of hard to find so 
Um, I was thinking pump up the volume, which totally going to be a fucking teen bop at some point in the future too. Uh, Christian Slater ho- having like a pirate radio station, um, mm. and exchange, uh, fucking like terrible. I want to say Stephen Baldwin. Yes, yeah, Stephen Baldwin. Oh, uh, the sci-fi best flick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> My best, you mean worst? <laughs> yes, I do. I act. That is exactly what I meant. Uh, look at me. I. I. It's like, wait. You. You got. You got Alec Baldwin. We got a Baldwin. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just interesting that like politically they couldn't be further apart. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The music's good. The music keeps me going through the movie. It's it's very mid nineties. It's very. Well, I mean, like, that's the thing. Is oh, yeah. like that's like half an hour of this movie is just let's play this this song so we can have it on the soundtrack and then have usually Mark, but the various characters dancing for no reason in the record store to this song. Uh, and that happens pretty frequently throughout the film. Oh um, man, and the what, plot you know, didn't even mention dance all the time. The, the plot didn't even mention um, Mark eating the brownies with uh, extra sugar. Uh, yeah, and wa- watching Guar. Watching Guar. Yeah, yeah. Like that was rad. And then that like, was rad. Seeing himself on stage with Guar, and then getting eaten by the beast. <laughs> yeah, that was fucking awesome. It was like, bro. Um... Well, it's also just funny because, like, clearly they actually did work with Guar for this. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I, I think that's fucking great. Like, especially at this time, like, I'm sure a lot of people, at least not mainstream, would know who the fuck Guar were. I didn't I learn mean, about Guar until, like, years later. I feel like they had such a distinct visual, like, reference that people, like, I'm still not that familiar with their music. But, like, you would see them and, like, they're similar to, like, Kiss in which, like, they have such a strong, like, ridiculous stage presence that you're more familiar with what they look like than what their music actually is, though Kiss actually had some hits. Uh, yeah. I don't know I mean, how much Guar is Guar is much more like an art collective that happens to make music. Yeah. Like But it was definitely more Posse. about like the show. Yeah. There's actually a really rad Guar documentary on uh Shudder right now. I can't remember the name of it. Like No, no, I knew I knew like, there was this is Guar. But like yeah, really no. worth the watch if you're at all interested. Yeah, no, no, I knew there was a good documentary about them, which is great, but um, yeah, definitely not a band that I, yeah, I couldn't name a single one of their songs. It's just visually, I think people were aware of them. Yeah. Yeah. I I wouldn't be able to name a single one of their songs either. So, oh, I can name, I can name Sadama Gogo, because that was the name of the song in this movie. Ah, okay. (laughs) But, um, so yeah, this movie exists. Um, yeah, I like okay. how, how how we keep on getting off topic instead of talking about this yeah. film. Well, because um, it's really hard to fucking talk about it because there's like nothing going on. It's got like okay, what this movie is is uh cultural touchstone stuff. Like it like in terms of it's where it lands today. But, like, you know, in the 90s, I feel like it gave all of us, like, a you know, especially if we were, like, a bit younger than the people in the movie, it's like, 
oh, someday we we could grow up, be we could be cool and like work <laughs> yeah. in a cool record store, and yeah. like, oh, look, that you know, those people like you know get dates and get and, and you know get laid and stuff, and like I could be cool <laughs> like that sometime, and oh man, Liv like, Tyler you know, is so hot, <laughs> and like oh, it's like yeah, like you know, look at these uh, guys in their hot '90s haircuts that you know, like uh, fucking is it AJ like. It has oh, yeah. like yeah. a Jonathan Taylor Thomas haircut, the like uh-huh. the same haircut that like every fucking guy had in the nineties. Well, every guy on weird. TV had like it's really yeah. interesting. Like that co- haircut actually wasn't that common. Like, oh, I don't think I ever knew anyone who actually had that haircut. Had it. Yeah, yeah, but everyone on TV had it. So. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I feel like there were guys in high school and stuff who tried it and who um, tried it failed. unsuccessfully yeah yes, because exactly. basically it's it's something that like looks good for like a week and then it's and it, either too short or too long every yeah, other time and, so. and it looks and it looks it also looks like somehow kind of like natural like you like effortless on t- on screen and yet like yeah it requires no, it, has, like, it has a lot of it has a lot of drawing. yeah it has a lot of similar problems to the rachel Yes, um, I know. That, I had I had the Rachel, and it everyone like, had like, the Rachel, and it, like everyone realized that the Rachel kind of sucks as a haircut. Like yeah. even Jennifer Aniston is like that haircut sucks. <laughs> so yeah, it's not even that it like looks terrible on you. It's more that like it's so much fucking fucking work. work. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. fuck blow drying your hair every time you wash it. That's such a pain in the ass. Yeah. But yes. yeah, this movie is really hard to stay on track with because, like, n- more or less, nothing particularly exciting happens. There isn't really much of a plot to speak of. Again, like, it just it, it's I like mean, there are fun moments that introduce yeah. introduce you to like you know the the like cool you know music no, I mean, scene, it's just like alternative has... archetype people. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like every every character has their own like little problem that they reference but don't d- really deal with. And I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it's to an extent, it's just like breaking down these stereotypes into having kind of more complex backstories, which especially for the time wasn't something that th- that I think a lot of things did. I think people were just perfect and they'd be perfect. Um, like, And I think compare- that it showed the meshing better than something like Breakfast Club. Yeah, I mean, you know, it reminds me of, like, films... That, like, yeah, I mean, like, I, it definitely compares to, like, things like Breakfast Club or Can't Hardly Wait or, you know, where it's just, like, you're, we're taking a bunch of these archetypes and kind of trying to flip them. But I think this tries to flip them a little bit less than other things, things attempt. Like, they still have, like, they're not, like, like, you know, Breakfast Club, it's, like, and all of them are relatable, nice people, whereas, like, all of these characters are still kind of dicks uh yeah but like they have problems and like they have their own kind of circle and it works and there's a weird bonding thing i mean like one of the things that i just thought was interesting is like for all the claims that like aj and Corey have like this like underlying like friendship or relationship it's just like that's not on screen at all no it's not like there's no chemistry between the actors and Corey talks about being in love with her, but has almost no scenes with her before he confesses <laughs> yeah. his love to her. So yeah. it's like, I, I feel like there needed to be some sort of flirty dynamic going on there. Um, there there that, should have been something more than nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There should like, even if it didn't work, I just wish it was there. Um, you know, yeah. like, I, you know, and, and ultimately, I mean, this is why I think like to an extent, 
Mark comes across as one of the more successful characters because he's just kind of doing his own thing instead of his thing just being to interact with other people. Like, you know, I think I don't think Deb's that bad, but you know, then you have like like Gina just seems to want to do things to get a tent, get piss off everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. know, AJ and Corey have that really fucked up relationship. Like Lucas is just a total dick to Joe. <laughs> like that was just total dickish. Um, yeah, and you know that you that you get like what what's the pizza guy's name? Like Eddie, Eddie, yeah, mm. Eddie and Warren, who are just kind of like Warren's awful. Warren is just like makes everyone look so much better <laughs> just by the fact that Warren exists. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, I mean, it's just like it's a bunch of like vaguely unlikable characters but at least they're like being someone honest about them which i guess is part of the appeal um like joe has way more patience for them than i think he should um but it's part (laughs) of the reason why joe becomes like a super likable character in my mind like joe's kind of like he, he he's like he has that right level of like the stern parent without like being like he still lets them be themselves to an extent so it's yeah just like, i'm not upset something that's... i'm just disappointed yeah mm-hmm. you know i'm well but i mean like that's that's the cliche not that's even. fucked up like i mean like basically because that's the thing is like i think that we that it's really interesting to look at how parenting styles have evolved from being you know too lenient to too overprotective and i feel mm-hmm. like joe falls right in the middle where things should be um yeah in, more in weird less. ways so like i you know it, and it's just sort of a product of like the 90s were as that transition was happening of just like right now parents are way way too involved in their kids lives and it's fucking them up um yeah whereas, as i think there was a period of time where parents were too uninvolved and they needed more guidance so, yeah like it's interesting, I mean, especially in the current time of like influencer parents. Like, oh, yeah, God. that is gonna fuck up your kid hard. Well, I mean, oh, yeah. the the effects of the the internet are something that I don't know how we deal with it. Like, I'm pretty happy that social media barely existed when we were in school. Same. But like, yeah, oh yeah. In terms of economy, we were we were born at like the worst fucking time. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like growing up in between, like playing outside and having like you know, no social media presence in our youth was was like quite fortuitous, I think. Yeah, Mm -hmm. social media is, is like basically social media should probably should be, have the same restrictions to use that alcohol does. Um, It's pretty bad. I mean, that would be be hilariously horrible too of like, all right, you're 21. Here's a beer and a social media account have fun oh, <laughs> that's the thing God. but i feel like yeah if i if, if you know i mean i don't think i really got uh, like i don't know when did i get on myspace probably when i was in high school but um but like yeah i just feel like you're inter- like you're better at managing social media when you get on it when you're that by like 21 i feel like you can navigate it slightly better and not need the like validation that i think is going on now with it but yeah i don't know i mean it's it's really tough because it's like how do you put the cat back in the bag and also like you have to remember that um you know prohibiting things often makes them more enticing 
So yep. it usually doesn't work well for, I mean, it certainly doesn't work well for things like drugs. Why do you think it would work any better for I mean, I think media? the big... Th- also yeah. functions so- somewhat similarly. It's like, you know, it's like, I understand why we have certain restrictions, but like, you know, you can look at the war on drugs versus something like, I don't know, how we re- regulate like gambling, which also it ha- can become Ooh. a physical addiction. Well, I mean, gambling is also just like we are we are really pulling pulling those limitations back a little too rapidly right now. But um, I agree yeah. in this state in particular. Yeah, it's what it's yeah. what why it was on my mind. And it's yeah. uh, um, yeah. it's like I it's like I don't I don't know what the right answer is for any of these things, to be honest. No, like, no. And I mean, I, I, I just like on social media for it to be like, I feel like there's a way of like, I think one of the big things is and I'm curious to see how these cases on the various algorithms play out. But I do think that at, there's there's a way of adding oversight to social media that potentially could make it less harmful um, that I think right now doesn't exist. Um, like, I think that I, I just think that the AI generated, um, likes and content is deeply problematic and probably needs to be outright banned, um, to go back to more traditional guesswork advertising than something Mm -hmm. generated by clicks. Um, because, you know, I mean, we, we saw the, the polarization that that caused, um, and I think that, you know, if you're going to have it based on engagement instead of what people, you know, positively interact with, because like, there's a big difference. I mean, it's usually way easier to show your discontent for something than your actual appreciation for something. Um, so it's, it's Give a, us a tricky... like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a tricky thing to navigate, but I think that there are better ways of doing that, but all of that has nothing to do with this movie because no, this movie yeah, exists no. at a time before that was an issue. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, should we just like wrap this up? Because we yeah, no, really I'm, I'm cannot stay like, on topic. We, we are pretty damn off topic. So yeah. I think it's time for us to go into verdicts. I think yeah. it brought up Start. interesting discussions. So, you no, know, it did. Fine. It did. It's just, it's so weird that this, that these discussions are coming out of this movie largely because it's just like this movie is locked in a time period that no longer exists. Yeah. Um, yes. And it's pretty hard to escape it. it it's, yep. it's not only pre 9 11, it is pre Columbine. Yeah. Like, no, the pre Columbine aspect is significant. I mean, it's also yeah. significant. Like, we, we, I think we've mentioned this in other episodes, but it's also a significant aspect of the Breakfast Club. It's just like, like the way that yeah, bring a gun to school, treat like, guns, like it's just not what we do anymore. Yeah, um, yeah. So um, you get Saturday detention for bringing a gun to school, right? Yeah, yeah. No. Mm. Future team, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Um, all right, who who's going first? I mean, I'll what, go. You first. volunteer? Sure, I'll go first. Um. I think I'm going to call this one a screw it, to be honest. Like, I would say qualified screw it in the sense that, like, if you lived through this time and you want some, like, fun nostalgia with, like, you know, again, fashion, uh, music, like, just sort of the, like, general, like, you know, relaxed, cool person vibe, like, you kind of want to feel like, or, and or this was, like, on MTV, like, like constantly when you were young and you have like fun memories of it sure i guess watch it i mean i i don't like but like i don't think that anybody who 
came before or after this time and hasn't seen this before is going to get anything out of this. It's really not much of a movie. It's more of just like, look at cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I lean towards that too. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I'll go next, I guess. Like I, I'd call it a screw it too. I mean, I feel like all the characters are unlikable and it's really kind of stuck in this weird time capsule of like, like, this does this is more representative i feel like of the time than a lot of other movies that came out at that time um but it's just like it just stuck there like Mm -hmm. like it doesn't have anything to say it's like this is stuff that was popular at the time but doesn't feel particularly relevant in any way to being that age or being like modern day like like it's very much locked into these are things that we thought were important at the time they aren't anymore you know (laughs) like i i I think the the uh the the threat of like capital like it's really interesting because like this is like still capitalism maybe good maybe bad like this is still like i i think and you know we said pre 911 pre um pre columbine but also pre financial crash like yeah like you know and that's that's an important aspect to this too like I, it's just like there's which again is really weird why couldn't he yeah. just get a nine thousand dollar bank loan because this is pre financial right. crash right <laughs> right oh, so and i mean also uh pre ipod yeah yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, physical I'm media is streaming music anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so physical, it's just like, physical media is still a thing, okay? It's just nobody fucking buys it. Yeah. Well, yeah. almost nobody fucking buys it. Yeah. Well, but I mean, like, that's the I other still thing. Is, like is when they were walking through that record store, and it's just like, what? This isn't wall to wall pop figurines? What the hell? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what are all these disc things and what are those tapes <laughs> yeah yeah so um but but yeah i mean it's it's a weird like this is stuff that people thought was important back then and kind of isn't and they're like i mean i think one of the big things like i it's weird that like i compared to other film like there's nothing really that cringe in this which is kind of like, like in terms of like, permi- like there's that one bit. scene with the ballerina that's weird yeah. as fuck. Um, but like, otherwise, I like, there isn't more of like, like, oh, oh, those teenagers and their hormones, they're gonna be rapey. Like, that doesn't really yeah. come up in this the way that it does in a lot of other things. Yeah, um, which is nice. So like, yeah, which is which is nice, but it's still like they're like. Like the pressure that Corey seems to put on herself to lose her virginity, that is kind of it is kind of a weird thing that I feel like, you know, is a thing. Like American Pie is very much a film that came out not that much later than this, um, but like the attitudes regarding it, like I feel like this deals with this in a like I like her freak out about it. Like I think mm-hmm. that that's a thing that's like an appropriate reaction um, that like generally wasn't dealt with in film like at all so um yeah but like for the most part it's just like these characters are archetypes they show that they're flawed but they don't really show that the characters are that complex they just like it's very like they go one level deeper but not like like to the point of making them actual characters so right but you know, ultimately, it's 
I don't know. I mean, it's getting, it's producing some interesting discussions, but ultimately I don't think it's a very good movie. So. Uh, yeah. Well, no, I mean, discussions about the film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's spawning different discussions, but, you know, coming off of ideas from the film. So. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry, I'm all out of water. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I, I'm agreeing with both of you. Like, it's a qualified screw it. Like if you if you're around our age, so if you're like pushing forty or so, or if you've like seen it before, I mean it's sort of like you know Grandma's Boy. If you've seen it before, totally watch it again. If Grandma's you're Boy like sixteen, if you're like sixteen, then um, like you're not going to get anything from this. Like it, it is. It's. It's like a slice from the Phantom Zone in 1995. Like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. interesting. I think in that time capsule, but it's just sort of stuck there. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's no so, part of this I would consider like timeless. Really, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. really weird how it it misses that completely. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's, like, nothing super, well, outside of, like, it's Rex Manning Day is probably, like, the most memorable thing from this. Oh, yeah, yeah. there's some memorable stuff. I'm just yeah. saying, oh, it like, has some memorable but Timeless quotes, is but different. Like, yeah. like timeless I mean, walking is... around with a couch cushion is awesome, but, like... <laughs> yeah. Because you didn't technically leave the couch if you took the cu- cushion with you, but... Well, and then when he's dancing with the woman later on, and the woman's holding the cushion, and he's spinning her, so there's still, like, you know electrical conduit leading to the cushion Mm -hmm. (laughs) which also could just be the floor but whatever yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and like ethan Embry, like shrieking shoplifter like you know that's fun you know yeah oh like obviously liv tyler renee zellweger and ethan Embry have really gone on to other things some of the other actors you've seen and stuff debbie mazar um obviously so Mm -hmm. like well, and we're going to talk about a movie that Rory Cochran was in next week. Oh, okay. That's uh, apparently I didn't remember that he was, but you know. Yeah. Well, whatever. I mean, that's the thing is we, we really need to start compiling a list of like who are our most watched actors and then being incredibly disappointed and depressed by that because now we're up to two movies with Liv Tyler in them. So, oh, yeah. oh boy. Yeah, it's true. Huh. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it definitely qualified screw it for me. Like, I still enjoy this movie. It's not something that I'm probably going to watch again for like another five years. And even then, it's probably going to mostly be background noise if I do. Yeah. Um, but like, especially when it came out, I really dug this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a time capsule. Mm-hmm. Did not expect us doing a unanimous. No, I thought you guys would like this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I knew I hate it, but. The more I. Well, like, we knew you'd hate it, but, like, the more I thought about it, like, yeah, it's something that I enjoy, but I cannot actively recommend to you. Yeah. It's just, it's it's dated, and it's dated in a weird way because it's dated in, like, these jokes, because it's not dated in the way that, like, History of the World Part One was dated. Like,. It's just like this doesn't this isn't relevant anymore. Not like this is inappropriate now. Like Yeah. Like there's very little inappropriate in this. 
yeah. yeah outside of again like that one scene with Ethan Embry yeah so but yeah all right well Wom Dan pitch your thing <laughs> oh yeah so yeah I have a web comic you can check it out with vs.com it should update this week the latest comic is done I just gotta upload it so it'll be up between our recording and our uh, posting of this episode online so yay <laughs> woo uh emily that's our thing <laughs> uh tj and i have another podcast it is called new england beer reviews uh you can find it wherever you found this uh we talk about beer and you know other stuff because you know we're really good at staying on topic oh so good <laughs> at staying on topic we are the best at staying on topic mm-hmm. what were we talking about yeah exactly um, but yeah, we've been Cedar Screwed. I've been TJ Davis alongside Emily Schick and Dan Murphy. You can check us out on Facebook and Twitter as long as that still exists because apparently fucking Elon Musk wants nothing more than to drive it into the ground. Yep. Um, I'm still, I'm, I'm still waiting for like, like the, a, I mean, like, I, it's get, just the gets federal disposition that he's going to be forced gone. to give to give on why he drove a successful company to bankruptcy. Like, yeah, you know, it's just like you know, ultimately, it's I did it for like, the lulls. I mean, you know, I mean, he he clearly like he, like, he clearly for overpaid lulls. for it. Like that was obvious, but like, yeah, like, he's but he's also an idiot. He's tanked its valuation yeah. since buying it for more than it was worth. So, yeah. like, like you know, yeah. like he bought it for forty five. It was probably worth about thirty when he bought it. And now it's worth probably low twenties. Like, you know, I would say less than that. Yeah, I think it's I, falling. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I it's just like we're just waiting 12, to see but... what's what's the social media company that swoops in and recaptures the zeitgeist that twitter used to occupy because something's going to come along yeah nothing has so far nothing has so far it's clearly not going to be mastodon so like but something's going to come in so but yeah anyway um you can also see whatever I'm watching on Letterboxd, as long as I remember to update. I have been watching stuff instead of just stupid YouTube shit. Because I've definitely gotten a hole of watching competitive eaters on YouTube for some horrible <laughs> Nice. Okay. Um, I mean, it could be worse. I mean, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a weird thing, because it's like grotesque, but interesting. Yeah, man. I, mean, I that's Kobe like where Chestnut's it's been a amazing, lot of time. but Kobayashi's way better. It's just the stupid fucking uh, what competitive clauses in their sponsorship contracts that prevents Kobayashi from competing. Like, it's really huh. dumb. That yeah. sounds really dumb. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you can also give us money at patreon.com backslash siosi. That's the initial yeah, show. Yeah, damn the man, save the empire. Yeah, Woo-hoo. damn the man, save the empire. We're the empire. Help build us. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, anybody? Final word? Uh, I guess uh, damn the man save the empire. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's probably what to end on. I mean. Yeah. 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 Works. All right. Cool. Bye. Bye. Bye.